Well, good morning and welcome to First Church. We're so deeply grateful that you are here with us uh, today. Um, what I believe is that when God draws a people of God together, um, he sends his spirit too. And what I believe is that when people gather together in Jesus' name, he sends his spirit too. And so uh, sometimes uh, people say to me, well, I don't need to go to church. Uh, I can do church on my own. I understand that. But what they're missing is the fact that they don't just need church, but church needs them. That when we come together like this, the Holy Spirit moves in an incredible way because we are all bearers of his, of his image. And the Holy Spirit moves in and through his people. So thank you for blessing us today. So deeply grateful to have you here. My name is Andrew. Uh, I am the lead pastor here at First Church. And if you are new with us this morning, uh, you find us right in the middle uh, towards the end of the middle of our sermon series that we call We Are. If you would, say it with me. We are. And what we're doing is we're exploring mission, vision, and values, right? So our mission statement, we all know it by heart by now, right? Let's say it together. It'll be on the screen just in case. We exist to live out God's story in our community. We exist to live out God's story in our community. And we do it through our eight core values. And this week, believe it or not, we are on value number six, right? Which means we only have two weeks left and God continues to move in a great way. Value number six, profound humility. Profound humility. We choose purpose over preference. Choose purpose over preference. How many of you this morning, congregation participation, how many of you this morning would say, you know what? I'm pretty good at the humble thing. Like, I am, like, I'm, you know, I don't want to brag or anything, but I'm like, I may be the most humble person I know. Like, I'm really humble. And my wife, Nate, very good. A few of you guys, good. So most humble person I know, right? Nobody is more humble than me. Very good. H how many of you would say um, that you want to be humble? You like the idea of humility. You're sometimes humble, but sometimes you struggle, right? Sometimes you have a hard time. Sometimes you, you're a little bit prideful. Very good. Very good. Well, that's a good sign, uh, except for the three people that raised their hand for the first question, right? Because those of us that want to be humble, but don't feel like we've arrived yet, right, are probably the ones that Jesus is beginning to cultivate a humble spirit inside of us. One of my favorite verses uh, in all of the Bible, it's tickled me ever since I was a kid, was Numbers uh, 12, uh, verse 3, and it goes like this. It goes, now Moses was a, sit with me, was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Great for Moses, right? Except who's traditionally believed to have written the book of Numbers? Moses, right? So little, little in there. Yeah, hey, by the way, I'm the most humble man on the face of the earth, in case you guys wondered. Now, I've learned, and they taught me in seminary. I don't know if you can believe everything you learned in seminary, but they taught me in seminary. And he may have written the book, but somebody else probably included that part later, right? So that maybe wasn't Moses, but I've always loved that. Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. So what are we talking about? Profound humility. Profound humility. And if you're with us and you've been with us the last couple of weeks, what we do is, is we like to explore together some of the reasons why we struggle with our core values. Why do we struggle with profound humility? Why is it hard to live out God's story in our community 
by setting aside our uh, preferences. And I want to be really clear this morning about the direction that we are going because we're not talking about humility in a general sense. Uh, we're not talking about pride and, and, and humility in that sense. If you want a sermon on that, uh, go back to our Stronghold series on our podcast or online. And uh, in my humble opinion, best one I've ever preached, right? So, uh, so very good. You can listen to that Stronghold of Pride about that. Uh, but today we're speaking specifically about the church, right? How do we express profound humility? How do we choose purpose over preference? And I think there's three reasons why we struggle. Number one, if you're taking notes, we struggle because we prefer what we like. We prefer what we like. We like what we like, and we prefer what we like. In fact, I would venture to say that probably 99.9999% of the decisions that we make on a daily basis are made because of the things that we like, right? So we buy the car that we like, and we eat at the restaurants that we like, and we purchase the house that we like, and we spend time with people that we like. And if you are dating someone, um, hopefully you're dating someone that you like, right? Uh, That's an issue. If you're married, hopefully you're married to somebody that you like. Amen? Amen? Couple of guys giving their wives a side eye. Like, is that, is that still us? Is that still us? Okay, good. If that's not you, we've got a sermon series coming for you soon, so just hold on tight a little bit uh, longer. But we make decisions based on what we like, right? Because we prefer what we like. Number two, if you're taking notes, we prefer where we're comfortable. We prefer where we're comfortable. We like what we like, and we prefer where we're comfortable. So the places that we go and the things that we see and the people that we hang out with, we do so because those are the places and those are the people that we are comfortable with. And none of us wants to be uncomfortable. I've watched my wife now, and she is eight months into her pregnancy, and I've decided I don't ever want to be a pregnant woman, okay? (laughs) I I just don't. I just don't don't want to do it, and I praise God every day for that, right? Uh, It's just not comfortable. It's not good, right? And we want to do what we are comfortable. And then number three, if you're taking notes, we prefer what we like. We uh, prefer where we're comfortable. And because of that, we prefer how things are. We prefer how things are. When we start talking about setting aside our preferences and changing things, it makes us a little bit comfortable because we prefer how things are how we've already done things. Uh, maybe uh, y- you say it like this, and I tell my son Lucas this all the time, right? Uh, there is my way, and then there is the wrong way, right? There's my way, and then there's the wrong way. There's a, there's a right way and a wrong way, and I know what's best, so don't go changing it. Let's just keep things how they are because we're comfortable and we prefer what we like. And if that's you today, and you say, eh, that's, I kind of feel like that's probably me, here's some really good news. That's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine. All of us are built with preferences. All of us have natural desires. There's no problem with any of that at all. The issue comes in is when our personal preferences stand in the way of God's purpose. When our personal desires stands in the way of what God desires. And that's why the way that we say our core value is so important. It's going to be up on the screen. I'm going to encourage you to read along with me. We say it like this at First Church. We say, we are a church 
that values profound humility. We choose purpose over preference. Read it with me. We gladly set aside. Oh, let's say it again. We Oh, I was so glad. Let's hear that again. We gladly set aside our preferences for God's purpose of reconciling the world to himself. What do we do? We gladly set aside. I was with some people this week at a conference, and I was telling them what we were preaching about today and uh, read the value for them, and she said, oh, gladly? Like, we had to do it gladly? Yeah, we gladly, we gladly set aside our preferences for God's purpose. And here's why. God's purpose is so much bigger than our preferences. You say, what's God's purpose? Well, if you have your Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, God tells us this. And this is incredible. It's one of my favorite passages. God says it like this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, say it with me, a new creation. The old has what? The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who did what? Reconciled us to himself through Christ. And then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What is God's purpose? Small thing, reconciliation of the entire world. A small thing, right? So God's really not worried about me and my preferences. God's not really worried about our church and our preferences. This is God's business. He's into reconciling the entire world to himself. And let me tell you, First Church, he felt so strongly about it that he gave his life for it. He gave his life for it. This is God's purpose, the ministry of reconciliation. So at First Church, we say it like this. Preferences are natural, but purpose is supernatural, right? Preferences are temporary, but purposes are eternal. And so we set aside our preferences for God's eternal purpose. How do we live it out? I think there are three primary ways. How do we live out uh, two primary ways? How do we live out profound humility? What we're going to do is we're going to look at two passages from Scripture about the way that Jesus lived this out. All right? So two passages from Scripture. The first one is found in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, and this is what Jesus does. Number one, we say it like this. We welcome people as they are. We welcome people as they are. So if you were with us a couple weeks ago, we talked about Jesus who he had an encounter with this tax collector by the name of Matthew. You guys remember this? And so he meets Matthew, and Matthew follows Jesus, and then Matthew gets so excited about following Jesus that he actually goes out and he throws a Matthew party. What's a Matthew party? It's where a bunch of lost people that don't know Jesus get together and they get to meet Jesus. That's a good deal, right? That's a good deal. In fact, I'd like to think even about next week, Fall Fun Festival, I'd like that to be a Matthew party, right? I love you guys. Love all of you. But bring somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Bring somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Bring them to expose themselves to God's grace. Because Matthew said, listen, if Jesus can change me, then Jesus can change them too. If, if my life can be different, then their life can be different too, right? And so Matthew brings these people to Jesus. But the religious people, they didn't like that, did they? 
They didn't like that because their preference was that Jesus not hang out with sinners. Jesus stopped doing that. Jesus stopped, 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 stopped hanging out with those sinful people. Stop hanging out with those tax collectors. Stop hanging out with those, with those unclean people. And Jesus said, I won't stop because this is why I'm here. So in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is up to it again. And this is what he says, if you're with me in verse 1, uh, here's what the Bible says. Now, the tax collectors and the who? And the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. What were they doing? Gathering around to hear Jesus. You know, church, as a side point, there was something about Jesus that sinners and lost people wanted to be with him. Right? So the question for us in our core values about who we are is, does our church, are we a church where sinners and lost people want to be with us? Right? Because lost people, disconnected people, they want to spend time with Jesus. And so lost people, disconnected people should also want to spend time with Jesus' people. So they're gathered around to hear him. But here comes the religious people. And they say, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners. Say that with me. Welcomes sinners and he eats with them. He welcomes sinners and he even eats with them. They say, Jesus, you got to stop doing that, man. You got to stop welcoming sinners. You got to stop being over at their house. They're not clean. They're not right. They don't understand. They don't get it, right? And if you don't stop doing that, there's going to be some really serious problems. It's a lot like a couple weeks ago, we were eating at our dinner table, me and Simone and my three-year-old son, Lucas, who uh, by the time you hear another story about Lucas will be my four-year-old son, Lucas, turns uh, four tomorrow, thanks be to God. Uh, By the way, if I seem so much wiser this week, uh, it's because I had a birthday yesterday, and so if that really, if you just, wow, Andrew's just really wise, it's the extra year is what it is. Um, I actually read an article, though, that people don't think you're an adult until you're uh, 35, Um, so I've got one more year to go. So uh, forgive me, and I'll be an adult next year, and we'll have a great time together. So they say there's going to be some issues. So we're sitting at the dinner table, and um, Lucas was struggling to eat his food, as three-year-old boys uh, sometimes do. And so uh, we were struggling. He'd already experienced some consequences uh, for his actions. And I said, Lucas, you need to eat your food. And he said, Dad, why? I said, because if you don't, you're going to experience more consequences, right? So he eats his food, and then 15 minutes later, uh, Simone asked me to do something. I don't remember what it was, take out the trash, do the dishes, whatever it was. And I said, joking, I said, well, I hope I don't forget. And Lucas said to me, Dad, if you don't do it, you're going to experience more consequences. (laughs) Thanks, Lucas. You don't even know what consequences are. You're three years old, right? You're going to experience more consequences. And and, and that's what the Pharisees are saying to Jesus here. They're like, listen, man, if you don't stop, if you don't quit, you're going to experience more consequences. But Jesus says, I don't care. Everyone say that with me. I don't care. And here's why. Verse 7, he says this. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there's going to be more rejoicing in heaven over what? Over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people that don't need to repent. Jesus says, I don't care about your preferences. I don't care about my preferences. I don't care about the preferences of the 99 because my purpose is the one. It's why I'm here. 
to reconcile the world to myself. He says, I'm all about the one. So what's this mean for us? Uh, at First Church, what this means is if, if that's what our God did, then that's what we have to do too, right? If that's who our Jesus is, then that must be who we are becoming too. We are a church that values profound humility. We put purpose over preference. So if Jesus spent time with sinners, First Church, that means that we spend time with sinners too. And if Jesus spent time with the disconnected, that means that we spend time with the disconnected too, right? And if Jesus ate with people and welcomed people and he embraced them and he loved them and he invited them in, then guess what? We eat with them. We welcome them and we embrace them. We love them and we invite them in too because that's who we are becoming. I love this. Romans chapter 15, verse 7. I love how Paul says this. He says this. He says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. He says, accept one another. That word accept, it's in your bulletin notes. It's the, it's the Greek word proslambanisthe. Say that with me. Proslambanisthe. You guys are so good. Proslambanisthe. And what that means literally is to welcome, to embrace, to invite somebody into your circle of friends to welcome somebody into your home. What Jesus says is, as Christians, what do we do? We accept people. We invite them. We embrace them. And we welcome them in. You say, well, Andrew, what if they don't look like us? Doesn't matter. Uh, what if they don't believe like us? Doesn't matter. Well, what if they don't dress like us? Doesn't matter. What if they didn't vote like us? doesn't matter. We accept them because Jesus accepted them. We welcome them because Jesus welcomed them. We eat with them because Jesus ate with them. We embrace them because Jesus embraced them. That's who we are. We set aside our preferences for God's purpose. We set aside our preferences for God's purpose. And I don't want you to, to miss this part. This is really important. Acceptance of people has nothing to do with their behavior has nothing to do with their behavior. In fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. Acceptance, we don't accept people for what they do. We accept people for who they are. And who are they? They're children of God. They're children of God. They're people that Jesus saw fit to give his life for, to pour out the last drop of his blood for. We accept them, not because of what they do, but because of who they are. It's what we do. Acceptance has nothing to do with behavior. And then secondly, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. We call people to more than they are. We accept people as they are. We welcome people as they are. But then number two, we call people to more than they are. We call people to more than they are. I love the passage. If you have your Bibles, flip with me or your phones or tablets. In John chapter 8, uh, we see a story about Jesus interacting with this uh, woman who's been literally caught in the act of adultery. Um, so you can let your mind take you wherever that is. That she's literally been caught in the act. And so they've dragged her and they brought her to Jesus as she is. And they say, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. What should we do with her? Should we kill her? Should we stone her? What should we do? If you know the story, you know what Jesus says. He says, hey, 
that's fine. Whoever's without sin, you go ahead and be the first to throw the first stone. And what do they do? They all walk away. They all walk away until it's just Jesus and this woman, Jesus who had no sin, and this woman. And so he says to her, look in verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one, say it with me, has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus says. But don't miss this. Go now and leave your life of sin. Go now and sin no more. What's Jesus doing here? He welcomes her as she is in her brokenness, in her sinfulness, in her uncleanness. He welcomes her as she is, but then he calls her to so much more. See, the fact of the matter is that Jesus loves us so much that he accepts us where we are, but Jesus loves us too much to leave us that way. And so when people come into our fellowship, when people come into our church and they need Jesus, we love them as they are. But then we say, hey, let me tell you about a better way. <laughs> let me tell you about a better way. See, Jesus understood that people can change, but they only change in response to love. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. We don't change people so that we can love them. We love people in a way that changes them. We don't change people so that we can love them, so that then we can accept them, so that then they can become part of us. We love people in a way that will literally transform their lives. And we do it because Jesus did it. The really good news, First Church, is that our church is already getting pretty good at this. Uh, in fact, there's a, a, a story that we're going to share with you. We had the opportunity to sit down recently uh, with our brother, uh, Nate Aldridge, and he was willing to share his testimony with us, and we're going to share that in just a moment. I want you to listen carefully to Nate's words, and I want you to listen to the way in which Jesus changed his life. And then at the end of the video, I want you to listen to the way that just as he was, he calls people around him to be so much more. Turn your attention to the screens. I was a drug addict. I really didn't care about life. I didn't care about anybody. Just was on a downward spiral. I was on my way to the grave. I, I lost every hope in life. And then the Lord just showed me that I needed to change, that I needed to do something better in life. And she brought me to Kinky First Church with me not really willing to come here. And then one day when we were leaving, a, a gentleman named Phil stopped me and just told me that he prays for me every day. And it just absolutely opened my heart. And I knew that this was going to be my church home. I just uh, got convicted and we said the sinner's prayer. And I gave my heart to the Lord. He saved my life. He made me realize that there's a better life. I thought was ever possible. He helped me become a better father than I thought I was. He's helped me just tremendously in every aspect of my life. Uh, I feel completely better. I feel safe. I have a purpose in life. I feel just like a brand new man that was born 
just a year ago. Even though you're messing up, even though you're sinning, he's right there with you. All you have to do is turn around and take one step to him. He's never left you. He's never ran from you. As much as you're trying to run from him, he's always right there with you. Because I ran from God my whole life. And when I turned around, he was right there. <laughs> Nate, could you stand up for us? Thanks be to God. We thank you for your life. It's Jesus. Just a couple of weeks, Nate's going to get baptized right here in our baptism service, and we thank God for that. I'd also like to invite one other person to stand up, and that is our uh, Pastor Phil Dorries. Pastor Phil, would you stand? Pastor Phil is the man that walked up to Nate when he didn't want to be here. He said it clearly, I didn't want to be here. I was coming for Ashley. I didn't want to be here. But one day, somebody came up to me and said, listen, man, I'm praying for you every day day. And that one simple conversation transformed somebody for all of eternity. For all of eternity, we give thanks to God. <laughs> Guys, that's what we do. This is what we are about. These are lives that are changed. And it's not difficult. All we have to do is be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. What do we do at First Church? We set aside our preferences for God's divine purpose of reconciling the world to himself. That's what we do. We don't love people so that we can change them, we, uh, so that we can change them. We, we don't accept people for what they do. We accept people for who they are. And our love for them is so powerful, so genuine, so real, that it radically transforms their lives. That's what we're about. That's who Jesus has called us to be. Jesus, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. Come and work in our hearts today in the way that only you can. We're committed to you. Today, as we continue in a spirit of prayer, there are so many of you here today. And Jesus is speaking to your heart. He's speaking to your heart, and he's saying to you, you know what? That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. <laughs> That's the kind of church I want to fill. Those are the kind of people I want to come and visit every week, and you say, I want in. I want in. I, I want to be a part of a church like that. I want to be a part of a community like that. I want to be around people like that. I want my life to mean more than just going through the daily motions. I want to be a part of transforming someone's eternity. I want to be a part of what God is doing in my life. And today you say, I'm going to set aside preferences. I'm going to set aside preferences. It, it may not be what I like. It may not be what I'm comfortable with. It may not be exactly how things have always been. But if it's for the purpose of reconciling the world to Jesus Christ, then I'm in. I'll set aside what I like for who God loves. I'll set aside what I'm comfortable with for God's calling I'll set aside my preferences for God's mission. I want in. Something so simple. Hey, brother, I'm praying for you. Hey, sister, it looks like you're struggling. Can we share a meal this week? Hey, would you mind praying with me? I think Jesus is doing a work in your life. It doesn't take much. 
simply takes being open vessels to who God has called us to become. And if that's you this morning, I, I feel really strongly about this. I, I feel like this value, like so many others, but this one in particular, if we get it right, it'll transform our church forever. If we don't, it'll hold us back forever. And so if that's you today, you say, I'll gladly do it. And this is a decision that you're making between you and God and the community, and it's not a light decision, but you're making it because the Spirit is speaking to your heart, and you commit at every moment, whatever it takes, I'll set aside my preference for God's purpose. If that's you today, and you feel strong enough about it to do this, I invite you to stand to your feet. I invite you to stand to your feet right now. You feel so strong about it. I'll sit, not just because the people around you are doing it, but you purposely say, I will set aside my preference for God's purpose of reconciling the world to myself. I realize it's going to take some sacrifice. I realize it's not going to be easy. I, I realize there's times where it's, I'm going to have to do things I don't like and things I'm not comfortable with and do things that, that, that maybe I would never normally do. But for the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ in my life, I'll do it if people will come to know him. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you see these that are standing. You see all of our hearts. You know, Lord, the commitment that we're making to you. Lord, today we draw a line in the sand. And today as a church, we say, we hold nothing back. We want you. We don't want what we want. We want what you want. And so, Jesus, we understand that you might test us. <laughs> we understand that you might ask us. Even maybe this week, you might put us in a place where we're uncomfortable, but we'll go back to this moment where we said, Jesus, whatever you want for the reconciliation of the world, for the reconciliation of Kankakee County, for the reconciliation of this neighborhood, I'll do it for you. Grant us the strength. Grant us the courage. Grant us the power. In Jesus' precious, wonderful, and holy name. I invite you to remain standing because there's another question that's so important. I know that there are people here today, I sense it in my spirit, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart from the minute that you walked in. The minute you drive into this parking lot and step foot in this building, you've sensed the Spirit at work in your life, and you know that He wants something more for you. You know that He wants something more for you. Maybe you said, you know what, I, I didn't know churches like this existed. Like, I know that I need Jesus, but I just couldn't get over the church. And, and if a church like this really does exist, then I want to be a part of it. Uh, maybe for you it was the story of the woman caught in adultery. And you said, you know what, if Jesus can change her, then Jesus can change me too. <laughs> if Jesus can embrace her, then Jesus can embrace me too. Maybe for you it was Nate's video, it was his testimony. Where he reminded us, you're only one step away. You're only one step away. It doesn't matter how far you've run. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad it got. Because no matter how far you run from the Father, He's always just one step away. And the moment you turn back to Him, He embraces you. He loves you. And He draws you in. Today, if that's you, and you say, I want to be a part of a church like that. <laughs> I want to meet Jesus. I need Jesus. I need a Savior. I need a relationship with him. I need my life to be transformed. I am tired of fighting things the way things are. I'm tired of living the way things are. I'm tired of going through the motions. I need a relationship with Jesus today. I need forgiveness. I need a savior. And I need a home. 
And today, we want to welcome you back home. If that's you this morning, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet right now. I invite you to stand to your feet right now. If you say, I want to come back home, today's the day. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Praise be to God for your lives. Who else? Today's the day. And I want to come back home. Today's the day. I didn't know a church like this existed. Thanks be to God. I didn't know a church like this existed. But today, I want to come back home. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. If you're standing up and you're next to someone else standing up, someone who's made a decision for Jesus or you're committing together, I'd invite you to wrap your arm around them. Yeah, you, you may not even know them. Just wrap your arm around them. I, I agree with them in prayer. <laughs> agree with them in Jesus' name that God's going to do something incredible because of your sacrifice and your commitment. Nobody stand alone. Everybody, everybody find somebody. Find somebody that's standing up and go to them. Wrap your arm around them. We do this thing together. We do this together. Nobody alone. We do it together. And we pray together in Jesus' name. Repeat this after me. In Jesus' name, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I need you. Jesus, I need a Savior. I need forgiveness. I need life. Jesus, today, I come back home. I want to be a part of a church like this. Lives are changed. Spirits are transformed. Eternities are altered forever. And I'm never turning back. In Jesus' precious and wonderful and holy name, we all pray together. Amen. Amen. First Church, can we thank God for lives that are changed and commitments that are made in the kingdom of God. Thanks be to Jesus.